Bald Men on Campus with Jay Billis, LaFonso Ellis, and Seth Greenberg. Welcome to Bald Men on Campus. I am Seth Greenberg, joined by the follically challenged LaFonso Ellis and Jay Billis. And yeah, just real quickly, it's been a, been a week, actually, Jay, two weeks for you. So what's the one thing over the last week that's kind of... Uh, impressed you hasn't impressed you a game that you're excited about a player you're excited about uh something that's just on the top of your mind jay johnny davis of wisconsin uh saw him against indiana and he was magnificent uh score i think he scored 13 straight points to end the game he was the focus of indiana's defense and i thought mike woodson's game plan was fantastic i mean that was as well prepared a team uh, as you're going to find. And even though, you know, Davis was clutched and grabbed and held, and that's not anything about Indiana, Wisconsin did it too. Everybody's doing it because the officials are allowing it, but through a tremendous amount of physical contact, uh, Davis finished through it all and, uh, you know, turnaround jumpers, fadeaways, getting to the rim transition, rebounding 30 points and 12 rebounds. And uh, and that was sort of player of the year stuff. Um, if there's been a better individual performance, it was, you know, there haven't been many. And uh, heck, it might have been Johnny Davis's own when he put 37 on on Purdue. But I, I like that dude is legit. I was uh, I mean, I've seen a lot of them had him out in uh, in Vegas uh, when Wisconsin won the Maui Invitational in Vegas. But uh, he's he's much better. He was great then. Uh, and he's much, much better now. How good is Wisconsin in relation to, you know, we talked about those eight, nine teams that can make a deep run. You got obviously John Davis, you got Brad Davison, you got Wall, who's playing at a high level. Uh, Chucky Hepburn's a terrific on-ball defender. How good and how deep seeing them in person on the road get that win? Can they go in the NCAA tournament? I think they're a Sweet 16 team, Seth. Um, they don't shoot it great. Uh, Davison shoots it really well, but he was four of 28 from three in his last four games coming into the game against Indiana. He made a couple big ones. Uh, and, and, you know, he's, he's one of the toughest guys in the, in the country and one of the best teammates. Uh, but I'm not sure that they score from enough positions and it puts a lot of pressure on, on Davis, but, uh, they're a competitive group and, uh, and they've won. I don't know what Indiana is, quad two, whatever. They've won eight quad one games already. Uh, they're eighth in the country in strength of schedule. Uh, and they just won their 20th game for like the 19th time in the last 21 years. They've won 10 games or more in the uh, in the Big Ten for, for 19 out of the last 21 years. So this looks like a little, you know, it's a faster playing Wisconsin team. They, they played a faster right. tempo. Uh, they run. They they don't run the swing offense all the time. They're running more chin actions and wide pin downs and stuff like that. They're they're a good cutting team, but uh, they don't shoot it great. Uh, from multi, you know they they go through droughts where they don't make shots, and uh, and that means Davis has to put the cape on and and carry them through it. So you know, do I think they're with the upper tier? They can beat teams in the upper tier. Uh, are they as good as those teams? I think the answer is probably they're a little shy of that. Fonz, what are you thinking about? Uh, Rutgers, you and I talked about them a little bit the other day. I mean, you talk about a team that was kind of off the bubble and it's questionable if they were even near the bubble at that time. And what do they do? Run off three straight against top 25 teams. And as I look at that team uh, now, as opposed to when I saw them early in the year, 
I feel like their spacing has improved quite a bit, which created great driving angles for them to get down the lane. They've been able to get to the foul line. And you kind of know what you're going to expect from uh, Geo Baker. I know what I'm going to get from Ron Harper Jr., who's an absolute stud. But the dude who I've been really impressed with, because you guys know how I love the, a third score to emerge, and that's been Paul McKay. He's been absolutely terrific. He's averaging around 15, 16 over the last four games, including like 30 he had against Northwestern. And so now all of a sudden you have a team that's really good defensively, but getting some great production on the offensive end. I think Rutgers is another one of those teams that's a dangerous team in the NCAA tournament. And I think it gets to the Sweet 16 because they're shooting it a lot better. They're shooting about 38% from the three-point line also. Yeah, the one concern I'd say for Rutgers is their depth. And they get basically mm -hmm. 90% mm -hmm. of their points from their from their starting five. Omaru's been really, really good. And yes. McConnell, McConnell's an elite, elite. <laughs> he can guard, yes. And, and I love what I love what Rutgers has done because if you think about early in the season, they lost to Lafayette, they lost to UMass, they had some bad mm -hmm. losses. And you know, when you get punched in the in the mouth, you know, you Montez Mathis transfers, obviously Miles Johnson transfers, you lose some guys, you get punched in the mouth early, and all they did was continue to work at their game and figure yep. out their team and mm -hmm. get better. And obviously they had that Purdue when they have three in a row against top twenty-five teams right now. Yep. Illinois like tonight. Yeah, which is a huge game. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I was blown away by Tennessee. And I'll tell you why I was blown away by Tennessee. And not that just they beat Kentucky. And, you know, both of those teams were coming in on highs. But Tennessee's interesting because they're playing three and four point guards on the floor at the same time. <laughs> right. And yet they're bigger, they're stronger, they're athletic, and they're tougher. I mean, you know, they didn't turn over yesterday. In fact, they turned Kentucky over. Uh, Kentucky couldn't get stopped, so they couldn't get out in transition. But when you have – the so guy Ziegler, and you have Kennedy Chandler, and you have even Powell, and you have Josiah James, who was recruited as a point guard. Uh, you've got guys that have a little toughness, and I think Ziegler is actually a guy that kind of gives them that just that grit about him, uh, offensively and defensively, that has no back down. And you know, revenge games are revenge games, but. I thought they got into their stuff, especially the first half. At the beginning of the second half, they struggled a little bit. But first half, they ran their stuff so crisply. They either ran the ball in their hands. They got the ball reversed. They got the ball into the paint. They beat them in transition. They were defensively. They took Kentucky out of anything they wanted to do, dribble handoffs, ball screens, all the spacing stuff. Uh, Kellen Grady couldn't get open for a shot. The only shot he took was the last shot of the first half, and that was a desperation three. So I was just, you know, you have red-letter games. I guess uh -huh. they'd be orange letter games. And <laughs> I was really impressed with how locked in and how we're emotional, but with a sense of purpose that, that Tennessee played with. I just thought it was really, really impressive how uh, their approach, that their approach was really good. And I think that, uh, you know, they're another team in the SEC uh -huh. that can, you know, second weekend, who knows, maybe even better because – even though they lost Olivia Conway, they still uh, – Josiah James is shooting the hell out of the ball right now. He's shooting on 50% for three the last four or five games. I mean, I, I was really I was really impressed with, with the manner yeah. in which they played, uh, which will be interesting. Speaking of them, the depth of the SEC, Florida losing the other night to A&M, obviously maybe not, puts them on the wrong side. How many teams do you think SEC can get in? What are your concerns for, like, the LSUs and, and maybe those mid to middle third? I think the SEC will get seven teams in, 
And you mentioned LSU. My my concern about LSU is what really our collective concern about them is has been all year is if they can't turn you over and get out in transition, uh, how good can they be in the half court? They they have Xavier Pinson back, and I thought a couple of the hiccups that they had and some of the losses were primarily due to his absence because with the way that they play, that pressure defense, full court uh, trapping, Xavier Pinson, that transfer from from um, Missouri, is like the perfect guy to have in that position. And he's the one guy on their team who's really good at getting the lane and making plays for himself and his teammates. So now that he's back, uh, I, I'm not surprised that they're back on the winning trail. But my greatest concern for them, if they can't turn you over, then they, they don't score it very well in the half court. And I absolutely love Tari Eason. He's the guy that they can play through, but I don't think they have enough scores in the half court uh, when, when their transition game is taken away. Yeah, that's been my biggest issue is they have to score so many points off their defense, LSU does, that uh, that I don't think their offense, they, they labor to score at times. And uh, and that's, you know, I mean, I know defense wins championships. You can't win without guarding, but defense alone doesn't win anything. I mean, you got to be able to score and uh, and they don't do that efficiently. And uh, I, I think I have said for much of the year that I think the SEC has been the best league. But when you start looking at the bottom of the league, it's not performed as well as I thought they were going to earlier. So I think the SEC right now has six solid teams that are going to in the tournament. Florida is is the only one that looks a little bit iffy. And I think there are a couple teams outside of that, you know, Mississippi State and Vanderbilt um, that are in, in, you know, Texas A&M is a little bit better in their record, but not not much. Uh, I think that Vanderbilt's better in their record and they're they're a lot harder to beat than uh, than in the past. Um, but I don't, I, I don't see anybody outside of seven and, um, uh, that's where the big 12 probably has a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of an advantage. I think they're going to get more teams with less teams in the league. And I think the big 10 is going to show very well in, uh, sort of in the number of teams out of the league to get into the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. And that's part, that's in part because, you know, the ACC is not as strong and they're not going to put as many teams in, um, you know, Virginia tech's making a little bit of a push right now. And uh, improving what we've been talking about, that they their record was confounding because they were way better than their record. <laughs> yes. Virginia's made a little bit of, pu- of a push, but you start wondering, is this going to be enough? And, uh, and you know, you, it, now the margin of error is really slim with only five games, four or five games left in the regular season, plus the, the ACC tournament. You, know, you can't afford to stub your toe anymore. And, you know, I was just with at Indiana where they'd lost three in a row going into Wisconsin and, you know, that now they're looking, you know, down the barrel of a really difficult closing schedule and they got to figure out a way to win three more games before the Big Ten tournament. And if they don't, uh, they're going to have to pull off something uh, really special in the Big Ten tournament. Yeah, like Virginia Tech, they don't have a quad one win. Uh, they're going to have an opportunity. And, and I'm not sure is, even if Carolina's a quad one win. That's what we've talked about all season long about the ACC. Where do you get those quad ones to build your resume? Now, obviously, they got a very good record against quad twos. and 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 dominated quad three, but, you know, as opposed to Virginia, who has those two bad losses, the JMU loss, obviously the Navy loss, I think kind of set them back. They do have, obviously, the Duke win, which is a positive thing. Let me mention one thing. You know, I don't know how committee members, the selection committee, are going to look at this, but this is the way I look at it. I I think quad three and quad four are irrelevant to, to how good you are, and I don't care about those games unless you lose it. If you lose yeah, a game right. there, then then you should uh, you should have to drag that with you. 
But if you, who cares? Like you're not going to play those teams in the NCAA tournament. And to me, the selection process is about, is about, can you beat good teams? And if you've proven you're incapable of beating good teams, then you should be more on the outside looking in than, than on the inside looking out. I, you know, to me, that drives me crazy when, you know, we're sitting here talking about, well, they look at, they, they haven't lost a game against quad three and quad four. Are you like, you know, because those can be manipulated. You know, if you play the better quad four teams, like who cares? I can't imagine anybody. You're not going to play any of those teams in the NCAA tournament. And you're not going to play any quad three teams in the NCAA tournament unless you're a quad one team and uh, and you're not in the selection process in the first place. So I, I don't know how the committee looks at it, but if they're looking at it any other way, I, I, I would differ with it. No, I, I totally agree with it. But here's the deal. If you're Virginia Tech, you don't even have a quad one win. Mm-hmm. So your, your your resume is being reflected. And again, net is only one of the uh, tools that the selection committee uses. So, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's their baseline tool. You know, and they use, they have every tool available to them, but it's like, you know, North Carolina finally got a quad one win the other day, obviously when they were sleeping, when Michigan, you know, when Michigan won a big game, uh, tech doesn't have one. Obviously Virginia does have one. Let me give you two other teams in the SEC. You buy in, Arkansas and how they're playing with this big lineup, these big guards that really guard you. Uh, you know, obviously, J.T. Note has been real. I think he's been phenomenal. I think Jalen Williams has been really good. But uh, they've got enough pieces. Or these Tony, Mude, they, they've got enough pieces that I think they're a really hard matchup. Like, I, I think that Eric Musselman, similar to Chris Beard, is kind of tinkers with his team from his semi-pro basketball experience, his NBA basketball experience, his, you know, obviously a disciple of his dad's that that he it takes him a little bit of time, but he's put together a team that I think is is kind of dangerous. I think as we get into the NCAA tournament, Seth, and, and you know, I've learned this from you guys the 13th year, 13 years that I've been at the company, is when you have a different style. It's tough to prepare for that. And I think they're random traps, which create turnovers for them, will get them extra possessions. Uh, as far as kind of being a second weekend team, I'm not sure if they shoot it well enough from the perimeter to become a second weekend team. But I do like this Arkansas team. I do like the fact that he's gone to uh, two bigs, two, uh, two bigs in the lineup that's made a huge difference for them, especially on the glass. But um, I do think that differing random trapping style could, could win them a game maybe a second game uh, to get to the second weekend. And they can score. Like, they may not shoot it great all the time, but a little bit like Alabama, you know, they, they keep you on edge because they they spread the floor and they can score. And mm-hmm. uh, Note can really score. So when, like, when they're playing Auburn, they're making shots from all over the place. And uh, and that, that that's difficult to play against. So, I mean, I like them. I just don't think they're they're among the top tier. Devo Davis has been a, a better <laughs> as of late too, because uh, many people pinned him as a starter coming into the season, and 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 obviously he didn't play well, so he's been coming off the bench, and I feel like he settled into his role, which makes him even more dangerous. But Sorry, Fonz, so. that's what the, that's what the coaches say. They say it doesn't matter who starts, and that's when when the coach <laughs> says that, I said, well, if it doesn't matter, then start me. <laughs> like you just said, it didn't matter, so start me. <laughs> We would like to welcome in the head coach of USC, the Trojans, who's doing an incredible, incredible job, uh, Andy Enfield. Andy, thank you so much for being with us. You're yes. not officially a bald man on campus, but we, we, we will adopt you. 
it's it's not it's a great club to be part of, but it's it's not really. It, it probably doesn't get you uh, into any of the clubs that you would go to in in LA. <laughs> well, appreciate that, but you guys wear those hats all the time to cover up your bald head. So. Oh, so man, with, well, the, with the stress of this job, uh, I'm surprised I have any hair left, but it's, it's hanging <laughs> on there. Uh, well, first of all, congratulations. What an amazing season you have. And, you know, we look at your team. Uh, you've gotten old. You've stayed old. Uh, and you guys are as big and long and as athletic. When you took over at SC, yeah, obviously you had a master plan and a vision what you wanted to look like. Is this team or the program that you've built kind of what you expected to have and build? you know, with all the resources that USC has? Yeah, it's been a process. Our first two years, if you remember, we were last place in the Pac-12. We went 2-16, and 16, and we really improved to 3-15 and 15 our second year. <laughs> that was a big accomplishment. Uh, but we were recruiting some really good student-athletes that want to be part of the success at USC. Our, our whole goal was to try to get Southern California kids to be the reason why USC turns the program around and, and, and have them – uh, come get a great education while they're doing that. So uh, we're very thankful to Jordan McLaughlin, who, by the way, has 54 assists and one turnover in uh, uh, January and February for the Minnesota Timberwolves right now. He was our first recruit. And those guys like Elijah Stewart, Chemezi Metu, Benny Boatwright, uh, Danthony Melton, who's playing for the Grizzlies, Jonah Matthews. So they were all local uh, young men that came, and they decided to take on the challenge of trying to rebuild the basketball program. So we're, we're uh, very grateful for what they've accomplished and then uh, the last few years, uh, as we were able to then recruit nationally and, and expand our recruiting base, uh, guys like Kevin Porter Jr. came, of course, Onyeka Kongwu, uh, Evan Mobley, Isaiah Mobley, et cetera. So we've had a lot of really good players here. Uh, but, yes, uh, this is what we uh, envisioned. Uh, we, we try to get guys that want to come to USC and be the reason that we turn this program around. And uh, I can't say enough about the staff that we've had and also the players that have made that commitment. And, and so we have really good players on our team right now. We're having a, a fun year, but uh, we have a long way to go. And I got the chance to see um, Drew Peterson play when he was playing uh, with the Illinois Wolves. And he, he was just dynamic. Uh, and he seems to have fit in quite well with you. What does he bring to your team? He was spectacular against UCLA on Saturday Ooh. night. One of the best performances I've seen uh, since I've been here at USC in nine seasons, and, and I've been coaching a long time. He had 27 points, 12 rebounds. He had five block shots out of the guard spot. He had four assists. He was spectacular, and, and we really needed that. We played UCLA in a rivalry game. There wasn't an empty seat in the arena. The atmosphere was just incredible, and we had our best player, Isaiah Mobley, sitting out because of a, a concussion and a broken nose. So we needed somebody to step up. Drew took that on. And the other guys did as well. So what a spectacular performance. Andy, what, what coaches lose sleep over a lot of things during the course of the season, but what, what do you like best about your team that makes you sleep well at night? Well, Jeff, I think we defended a high level. We, we've been very good defensively the last three seasons. We changed some things, how we teach defense. Our, our first teams at USC, when we started with McLaughlin and, and uh, Julian Jacobs, who's dynamic point guard. And then those other guys I mentioned, we were, very up-tempo, played a, a very uh, fast uh, – we, we had a lot of threes, a lot of dunks, uh, transition. In the last few years, we've adjusted some of our personnel. We've played with two big men the last three or four or five years. And so to do that, you have to uh, be very good defensively with rim protection. We recruit a lot of size and length in the wings. So the thing we can count on is we, we usually defend at a very high level. I think last year we were number one in the nation in two-point defense. This year we're top maybe third in the country. 
uh, our field goal percent defense. So uh, defense has become an identity of our program, and, and we don't let up on them. If, if they don't defend and play hard, they just don't play. We take them out of the game immediately. doesn't matter if you're the leading scorer or not. So it's become a very uh, important identity to help us win basketball games. Now let's get to the important programs. How have you been able to survive being in Southern California and having to deal with the Pump Brothers? <laughs> well, I, I got David. Uh, I got tickets for uh, the UCLA game on Saturday. So yes, they 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 uh, bother me quite often. Uh, but uh, <laughs> they're the best. Uh, I, I can't say they're both bad golfers, uh, but it's fun for me to get in the course and just laugh for about eighteen holes while they're in the trees and in the water quite often. <laughs> hey, hey, the one thing we know is have they ever brought into their pocket around you where they actually paid for anything uh not usually uh i i, I have to go to the bank every time i see them i know what's coming seth <laughs> you've done a great job in the transfer portal uh I, what did you have a previous relationship with boogie ellis and if not uh, how, how have you been able to integrate him into your process? Yeah, Boogie, we recruited in high school. We were the first high major school to offer him. He went to Mission Bay in San Diego, just uh, two hours south of where we are. We offered him as a junior, and he became a great high school player. He got better and better. And then uh, you'll appreciate this, uh, Jay Billis, because you played there. But uh, Duke and Carolina jumped in in the fall after we had him on a visit. And of course, uh, he ended up signing with Duke and then went to Memphis after in the spring when he got out of that Duke commitment. But, you know, it, it's uh, we, we've done a great job. Our staff's done a great job of getting Southern California kids excited about coming here to USC. But uh, there is still an allure of uh, Duke and Carolina, et cetera, when they go visit. And uh, he was one of them. We had him on his first official visit with Onyeka Kongu and Isaiah Mobley and Boogie. Those were three guys. And what, what a great <laughs> visit. And Evan Mobley came along as a junior. So, uh he enjoyed it. We knew his family very well. So two years later, uh, when he was leaving Memphis, it became a pretty easy recruitment because we knew each other. Then we did it via Zoom. It took about a half an hour and we had a spot because Taj Edie left last year. He was an all-conference uh, grad transfer for us from Santa Clara. Had a terrific season. Uh, led us to the Elite Eight. And uh, because he left, uh, I think uh, Boogie saw an opportunity to come here and really uh, develop his skills as a true lead guard. Hmm. You know, back in the back in the dark ages when I was coming out of high school in L.A., you know, USC recruited me pretty hard when Stan Morrison was there. And there was one thing that I remember above all else, and that was the idea that if you had any thought of spending your adult life in Los Angeles, the the Trojan alumni, uh, there's there's perhaps no greater group alumni group of taking care of their own. That than than USC is that is that still kind of the case like the Trojan Mafia kind of looks out for their own in LA? Yeah, we have tremendous alumni. They uh, get involved with the school itself, the athletic program, the NIL deals are coming in for our players now. With a lot of Trojan alumni that have businesses, been successful, so it's a great place uh, to be a Trojan. Uh, I live in Manhattan Beach, and I would say it's probably 80 percent Trojan fans. So we see a lot of those Trojan <laughs> flags around and. And uh, once in a while, we'll see a UCLA flag, but uh, they're far and few between. Uh, so uh, I, I think uh, the area where we, uh, where I live and, and, and certain parts of the L.A. area, uh, a lot of Trojan faithful, and it's a, it's a great place to be. Fonz, I don't know if you've been to Manhattan Beach. It is a rough and tumble area. you got to watch yourself around there. It's like East St. Really, diff really difficult area 
to to navigate you know you can you, you better not leave your bmw open or they'll take your gucci loafers out and two hey, hey, fun. <laughs> hey, hey manhattan beach is where guys from paul's verdes go to downsize <laughs> <laughs> i wasn't from palace verdes i was i was in the uh the hood in rolling hills uh, rolling Hills. Yeah, that's where people from Rolling Hills go to downsize. You know, I mean, Andy, don't no, let him talk all that smack <laughs> about your neighborhood. I mean, come on now. No Rolling uh, Hills in East St. Louis, there, big boy. <laughs> oh, that's, East St. Louis is a piece of cake. Who did me? Hey, Andy, what's the uh, what's the best burger out in LA right now? Well, I like Five Guys, so uh, I'll, I'll stay true. I can find a Five Guys most cities I go to, so I'm sticking with that. Man, that's a that's a pretty question. I got I got a better. We're going out to Arizona this weekend, obviously, uh, in your league. Handicap your league a little bit, and how different is it preparing for them now than a year ago? And and like, you guys are a team that can make a deep run in the NCAA tournament. You made it to the Elite Eight last year. How good is your league, and how good is the top of your league? I mean, like, you know, we look at your league and we say, wait a second, you know, maybe four, maybe potentially five, but there are three teams that can go deep. How good are those teams? Well, Seth, I think last year you saw the, the depth of our league. We had three, four teams in the Sweet 16, three in the Elite Eight. And uh, they were, our league was ver- really good last year. This year, we thought it would be equally as competitive. Unfortunately, we had uh, some teams uh, get off to tough starts. Uh, the one thing about certain teams in our league, they always improve after the non-conference schedule. So, so some teams will – have new players that they bring them together. And all of a sudden, January and February, they're totally different and they're much better. And I think you've seen that a few teams in our league right now. Yeah. Uh, but the top of our league is outstanding, as it always has been. Uh, when I got the job here a long time ago, uh, eight and a half seasons ago, uh, it was Arizona, UCLA, Oregon, with a lot of other teams that had great years. Utah was very good, Colorado, Washington. Uh, Stanford had some great players. Uh, and, and so it was uh, a challenge to uh, – try to catch up to some of these teams. And, and uh, right now the top of our league is as good as it's ever has been with the, the amount of NBA guys coming out of it. Uh, and I think last year the depth of our league was outstanding. This year uh, I, I think there are probably five teams that uh, deserve to be NCAA tournament teams, maybe six, but uh, they have to win a couple games. But uh, I, I think if you look at the number of pros that come out of the Pac-12 since I've been here in the last eight and a half years, it, it's, it's incredible. I think we're second behind the ACC. Uh, a lot of great players, like great coaches, and uh, we're, we're just excited to be in the mix now where we can say that we're competing against the best in our own league. Andy, do you like the, uh, the Thursday-Saturday kind of two games in three days format where you go on the road, play two games, you know, you're home the next week, play two? Is that beneficial for maybe when you get in the NCAA tournament to simulate it? I think it does help your tournament because you're used to playing back-to-back with limited preparation when I coached at Florida State for five years, uh, Seth was at Virginia Tech at the time and had some of those excellent teams. And I can remember uh, I always enjoyed traveling. Uh, let's say we played Virginia Tech on a Wednesday away. We'd have a home game on, on Saturday or, or vice versa. You go up to Duke and you get back after your charter flight. It, it, it's, the kids can be in class the next day. And then you have – I think the stagger games is more ideal uh, because of the distance and some of the, uh, uh, the travel partners here. It makes more sense for the Pac-12 to two, play a Thursday, Saturday, or Sunday games. Uh, the difficulty is when you, we have to play a Sunday game on the road, it's very difficult to spend five or six days in a different place or you're traveling between. It's, I always say my family vacations in Hawaii are five days. 
and our road trips in the Pac-12 are five or six days. Uh, it just wears on you. It wears on the players. It wears on the on the staff. And it's very hard to win on the road no matter where you go. So if I had it my way, I, you know, I prefer the, the uh, model of what the other conferences do. But I understand due to the cost and, and to the distance of, of the cities here, uh, it probably makes more sense to do what we're doing. And I won't say any names, but one of the three of, uh, of us ball-headed men did get our wives flowers on Valentine's Day. What you end up doing for your wife on Valentine's Day? I won't even take a guess which one, but I, uh, <laughs> my, my wife, uh, but I, I, I would guess Seth if I was have to guess. But uh, <laughs> Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> <laughs> he, probably, he probably got her a pair of Gucci shoes. I, 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 <laughs> she's my, not uh, wanting for a lot, Andy. Don't worry about it. She's still on scholarship. <laughs> you know what, Fonz? I, I still get my wife. We met in New York City many years ago, and I still get her chocolates from a, a French chocolate place on Madison Avenue and have them shipped out every Valentine's Day. Nice. Nice. Well done. Proud of you. Fonz, you just threw me under the bus, just like of that. Course. It's unbelievable. <laughs> I love you, though. Know. <laughs> yeah, but hey, but after you embarrassed the hell out of me the other day, I went and I called. I I called up Jackie and said, "Jackie, get on the phone immediately and make sure Mom gets shipped flowers." <laughs> <laughs> hey, I mean, come on now. I mean, it it, it is what it is. I mean, <laughs> come on. Fonz. Hey, I know Bill didn't get any flowers. I know that. I mean, there's not a chance. <laughs> No, I got uh, I got my wife some uh, some jewelry, and she gave me a picture of herself, and I told I told her that like that that ain't fair, like I should open mine first. That ain't fair. <laughs> Andy, last thing before we let you go, we really do appreciate you doing this. Yes, uh, you know, I mean, so you got your two and a half weeks left in the season. What what's the one or two things you want to clean up? Like, you know, this time of the year, trying to put Band-Aids on some stuff saying, all right, big picture, this is who we are right now. But, you know, this could get us beat in the NCAA tournament if we don't clean this up. What That's like the one or two things you want to clean up. I think shot making and turnovers on the offensive end. Defensively, we've been pretty strong and consistent. We had a few rough games, but I think uh, offensively, if you watched our Arizona game in Tucson a week and a half ago, we had a six-point lead with six and a half minutes left and proceeded to go one for our last 15 from the field. And it was a one possession game with a minute left. And we had three, we had three threes in one possession where three leading scores missed all three with about three minutes left. We would have given us retaking the lead. Uh, and, and so I think timely shot making is very important for our team because we've been missing a lot of lane shots and wide open threes in crucial games. And, and if you look at our, we've won, we're 21 and four, so we've only lost four times. But in those four losses, our shot making has disappeared. And the turnovers, I think, have hurt us. But over the course of the season, we're only averaging 11 turnovers a game, which, which is not bad. I think at Cal, we only had four two weeks ago. It made a point of emphasis. UCLA, we took care of the ball. Uh, but I, I think our shot making, we have to make shots at the right time, especially if you're going to make a run in the Pac-12 or Pac-12 tournament or the NCAA tournament. And by the way, my wife's a UCLA grad. So, you know, I'm, she's, she's not very high maintenance. <laughs> <laughs> You said you said it, Seth. I can't comment on you too. Hey, thanks for doing this, man. Good luck and yes. good luck in the rest of the season and the tournament and doing an incredible job. Well, Jay, I fight like that, that, that fight on. I like that you forty kid. Uh, you you figured that out. But uh, hey, really appreciate you guys doing a great job and uh, hopefully we'll see you down the road here. It worked luck, out so Andy. well Thank we you. went to Duke. <laughs> <laughs>
didn't, didn't have a big enough bag back then at SC. <laughs> I can't comment on that either, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you guys take care. Thanks All for having right, me. Thanks, Andy. Thank Appreciate you. you. What are you guys looking forward to this coming week? For me, I, I, I know it's, you know, kind of a, a shill promotional thing to say, but I can't wait to get to Arizona. One, because I love McHale. It is one of the great places for a game and always has been since Lute Olson got there in 1984. And, uh, and I want to see up close. I'm going to get there to see him play Thursday night against Oregon State. A uh, little busman's holiday, uh, and I just want to see in person uh, how they pass and cut and play together. Like I, I, I really admire the way they run offense, and uh, it, it's it, there's a lot of similarities or some similarities to what Gonzaga did and does uh, because of Tommy Lloyd being a, a an integral part of putting that together, Gonzaga, and uh, and I, I just I think they're a fantastic team. And I want to I want to watch them up close, and it's not just going to be a couple of practices in one game. You're going to get them to see them twice, and uh, and it's also 80 degrees out there, so that's not uh, that's not a small <laughs> small thing. Why do I yeah. think there's a chance Bills might bring his clubs? I, I I'm, not, I'm actually not bringing my clubs. I'm not going to bring my clubs. <laughs> I am bringing a pair of shorts and and a big ass bib because I'm going to eat so many freaking tacos. Uh, <laughs> there's going to be a shortage when I leave. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. For for me, it's uh, it's the, the game that I've been looking forward to this week because of their progress has been the Illinois Rutgers game. You guys know how good I feel about uh, Illinois. I mean, those three guards, uh, especially now that Cabello's back on the floor, I, I'm interested to see against a very very good Rutgers defensive team how well those three guards will play tonight. And, and I've said all along that I felt Illinois is one of those teams that that is an elite eight caliber team. Let's see if they can prove it tonight against one of the best defenses in the Big Ten. Hey, Seth, did you just go Chaz and wedding crashers on us? And go, <laughs> Mom, the meatloaf, the meatloaf. She's what right. is she oh. doing back there? I don't, I don't know what she's Hi, doing. What are, you, are you leaving? Yeah. Oh, all right. Yeah, on the call. All right. I'll be one second. Give me one second. Thank you. It's a lot of stuff going on. A million, <laughs> a million doesn't give a rat if we're doing a Guys podcast going out right to now. Sounds like you're going out to buy flowers. Right. <laughs> Again, uh, Amelia is not very patient with this right now. Uh, I'll give you what I'm looking forward to. I'm, a, I'm actually looking to see what happens with Baylor tonight. Hmm. I mean, like Baylor, the first game without obviously Jonathan Tomachua. I think that's going to be uh, – just a really interesting thing to watch, you know, how they deal with Texas Tech. But more importantly, what their substitution? Are they going to go with a, a legitimately smaller lineup? Uh, remember, the last time he had an injury, Scott Drew had an injury, he, he invented those three guards playing together. Macy mm -hmm. Dave Davion, and Jared Butler. I'm interested mm -hmm. if there's something different that he's going to try to do moving forward uh, tonight. And I'll tell you one thing. Right now, Amelia, she's very excited about hearing it as well. <laughs> she's probably listening to the show. That's she right. Some of the show. She's got, she's got something to say. I DVR'd bald men on campus. She watched that, and that was her reaction. <laughs> well, that'll, that'll put her right to sleep. That's perfect. <laughs> hey, uh, hey, Taylor, I'm going to have to run because if not, the flowers definitely are not going to pay dividends. <laughs> <laughs>